Welcome to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I'm Chef Westep, and I'll be your host for Outer Banks Raw, a brand new podcast coming from the Outer Banks. We're going to be talking about food, fitness, lifestyle, you name it, that Outer Banks state of mind that y'all love so much. You want to plug in? Tune in here. This podcast is sponsored by TheObjectChef.com. Chef Westep's new website your one-stop destination to explore the remarkable journey of our Autobank celebrity chef and connect with its thriving restaurants and businesses. Visit theobxchef.com. Hey, this is Chef Westep, and welcome back to Outer Banks Raw. Okay, so we are basically doing recipes for living down here on the Outer Banks, and we touch on all different aspects of the Outer Banks. About a couple weeks ago, I got to meet my guest today. She uh, was eating at NC Coast with her husband and found out she had been doing a book signing. So anyway, I went up and started talking to her, and she is an author, and we are so glad to have her today. She's from Hatteras, North Carolina. Jan, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks. First of all, I just want to thank you so much for the invitation. This is awesome. Uh, and a great it. chance to talk to people a little bit about the southern part of the Outer Banks. Yes. Uh, because we're sitting up here in beautiful duck today. Yep. And also to let them know a little bit about the book. Jan Dawson is my name. The name of the book is Storm Season. And we are in storm season down here on the Outer Banks. We absolutely are. So the timing for this book coming out and having people read it couldn't be more appropriate. I actually have experienced storms while living here, so a lot of those experiences are reflected in the book, but it is a work of fiction. Gotcha. A lot of people want to know if it's a story about me and my husband and how much of it is true. And I said, other than the fact that he and I reconnected after 40 years, wow. everything else in the book is fictitious. We did own a motel. Yeah. He owned it for 52 years right on the oceanfront in Buxton. Wow. And so as people read about the two hurricanes that are mentioned in the book, and they read about the preparations for the storms and what happened during the storms and after the storms, right. that's based on, on real experience. You're living in Hatteras still, though, correct? Yeah, we live on Hatteras Island. We live in Buxton. We live in the home that my parents built. I started coming down to the Outer Banks in 1964. Wow. So if people can start calculating, they can figure I'm, I'm up in my beautiful that, senior years. <laughs> when you told me that, I looked at you and I was like, what the heck? I can't believe she was down here in 1964. I wouldn't even thought you were born in 1964. Well, bless your heart, but I was. And interestingly enough, my husband's family started coming down the same time. I'm from the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Right. He's from Northern Virginia, but our parents both really liked the area. And over the years, we actually vacationed at the same place at the same time. Always so, down in Hatteras. Always at the same, yep, Lighthouse View Motel. I'll give them a plug in Buxton. Yeah. As I got older and Dave got older and you get older and you start to notice the boys notice the girls, et cetera, et cetera. Right. We actually dated for a couple of years. Right. But then, you know, life moved on. I went back to Pennsylvania, went on to college. Dave's family actually bought the Cape Hatteras Motel, and he stayed there and got married. And it wasn't until my mother's illness in 2015 that brought me back permanently that he and I got together. Wow. So so now when you went back and you went to college and you pursued your careers, was it an author? No, not at all. <laughs> so this is your first book, is this, that correct? This is my first book. I can't say that I've never written. I used to play around writing little stories and poems all as a child and even through college. And I've written for newspapers and I've been in broadcasting. The 
jobs that I've had, the careers that I've had, I should put it that way, I've always been engaged in communication in one way or another. But this came about very accidentally. I did not sit back and say, well, I think the next thing I want to do is write a novel. Right. And that's what intrigued me so much about meeting you and everything like that, because I could see that you're, you were so excited because you just done a book signing, right. correct? Yeah, this has all been quite was a ride. Was it in Duck? Yes, it was in Duck. I yeah. had one in Corolla the day before and then Duck. And this is a good place to put a shout out to all the independent bookstores yeah. right. on the Outer Banks from Corolla all the way to Ocracoke. They have been nothing but supportive, really fantastic. So, yes, I had done the book signing, and I just had it had gone so well, I had a big adrenaline rush because I'm still kind of amazed. This all seems a little bit of a dream. A little surreal? Yeah, a little bit surreal. I was getting a knee replacement last November, and in the run-up to the surgery, I was extremely anxious. I, I think most people are. You don't right. look at a joint replacement and say, oh, that's a piece of cake. So I was waking up in the middle of the night and uh, had a lot of anxiety about how the surgery would go, how much pain I would be in, how my husband was going to cook for me. Right. That's a genuine concern. <laughs> but I thought, I just need to think about something else. What can I think about that will get my mind off this and maybe I'll fall back asleep? And I thought, I'll make up a story. And I started making up this story. And, Did and, you start freehanding it? No, it was all in my head. Gotcha. All in my head. And every morning I would wake up and tell Dave, I'd say, you know, I added another chapter to the book. So this is in November. I had the knee surgery. I had the recovery from the surgery. Then you roll into the holidays and right. grand, grandchildren and children and all of that. And finally in January, he looked at me and said, you really need to write this down before you start forgetting what you're thinking. Right. So I wrote some notes, just structural kinds of things, my characters, their names, their ages, making sure that everything made sense and that there weren't any holes in that piece of it. Right. And I started at the computer to write it. Right. People have said, how long did it take you? There were gaps because we did some traveling and babysitting and whatnot. But all told, I wrote a chapter a day, and I think there are 15 or 16 chapters. So I did it within three weeks. That's amazing. But as I said, I had thought about it so much. It was like a movie in my head. Yeah. Wes and I would sit there. It was just sort of a download. I could see the characters. I could see them talking. I knew where I wanted to go with the book. I knew the beginning and I knew the ending. And some days I would sit down and say, I'm not really sure how I'm going to get to where I need to be. But it is true, and I've heard other people say, other writers have said this. I I don't know because it's the first one I've written. But your characters do help you figure out which way to go. Right. If you've built characters that are real and have a certain personality, you can't necessarily write something that's just off the wall that they wouldn't do because it's not within their character. Right. So they so kind they start of, forming a character in your head and it, you're going, okay, Joe would not act like that. Exactly, exactly. And they also became like <laughs> sound like a child here, but like imaginary friends to right. me. And so I think of all the platitudes that I've received for the book, not just from friends, but people that don't know me, they're right. buying the book at book signings or whatever. When I get feedback, it's how much they love the characters. And they all identify with a different character. Right. And even though the book is considered a romance, and by the way, it's a very clean romance, so people... Oh, bummer. There, are, there are steamy romances <laughs> and clean. This one's a clean one, so you don't have to worry about your kids picking up the book gotcha. and, and reading it. The important thing is that I've had men read the book as well and really like the male characters in the book and feel that they have a role to play 
And in particular, we talked about character development. When I first started out, there's a character in the book, Mike, and he was, in my mind and in my notes, was relatively insignificant. But as the book developed, he started to play a really important role. And many people have said that they really appreciated Mike's role in the book and the part that he took in trying to bridge some family gaps. You know, storm season is about, I always say it's about one island, right? two hurricanes, three generations of women, and a love story that spans four decades. So it's one, two, three, four. <laughs> it's simple when you think about it like but, that, isn't but it? But there are also storms in our personal lives right. that we have to weather. Yes. And they can be they can be horrible. Oh yeah. And they can come on very suddenly. It doesn't matter where you are. And and where you are in your life or where you are geographically. Geographically. And then it takes a lot of resilience to come back from that. Yes, it does. Just like a, a regular hurricane, a real hurricane. So the book has those components in it as well. So it's pretty deep then in some it, aspects. I, I would say in some aspects, it, there is a storyline that came along. I'll just give this much away. It involves DNA testing, gotcha. which when I started the book, that really hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in that way, but I was able to bring that in. And that's actually with all of the different companies now, and you can test your yeah. ancestry and those things. It's become... A big business. Right. And it's also created some really interesting and sometimes very challenging and difficult situations for families. Right. I can imagine. So that plays into it a little bit. The other piece that people have asked me about is the weather. Right. The actual weather part of the storms. Right. So... In 1975, when the book starts, there's a part that takes place then, and there's a part that takes place now, in the present. Weather forecasting was very different, and it's hard for people to realize how rudimentary hurricane forecasting was. Fortunately, my brother is a meteorologist. Oh, wow. And has been his entire life. He works for the Weather Channel, and he covered umpty-ump hurricanes. Oh, yeah. So I counted on him, even though he was just in school at that time, but he knew what was being taught and how the forecasting was being done. There were no satellites that, you know, that you could see out seven, like we're tracking Lee now, as as you and I do this interview. Right. It's way far away. They would have had no way to, to know that. So it was a lot of local knowledge with the fishermen and the people that lived on the island. They looked at what the birds were doing. They looked at the currents. They looked at the sky and the wind and the temperatures. They looked at their barometers. They'd tap that little piece of glass on the window and and watch, you know, to see if the barometer was falling. Big, big, big difference from the tools that we have today today to, to forecast the weather. So... And another thing that people don't, some younger people who read the book find it hard to believe. In 1975, if you were on the beach with a group of kids and you met someone, you might get their first name, you might get their last name. If you really thought about it, you might get their phone number. But there was such a thing called long distance back then. Right. And most parents were loath to let you have you know, long calls with this boyfriend at the beach. Oh, yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. long distance. Yeah, long distance was, yeah, <laughs> I there, can remember. Can you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah. There was no Facebook. There was no internet. Right. If you only had a first and last name. But we didn't think about it as being that big of a challenge, except for getting it through your parents, because right. long distance charges were excessive, right. and they were paying for them. But if you remembered meeting somebody, and you weren't sure of their name, or they had a very common name, the only way you would find them is through the yellow pages. Right. And unfortunately, character in the book has the last name of Smith. Ah, there's a lot of Smiths. Pretty, pretty, and you're not sure of the city, it's pretty darn hard to track somebody 
down. Right. And a lot of people lost touch that way. That's why you hear stories of people reconnecting over Facebook that hadn't been in touch with each other for years and years and years. So you got inspired not only by your surroundings, you had some personal stuff going on with Mm -hmm. the knee injury and the anxiety of going to surgery, which Mm -hmm. that's a personal storm, right? So that's that. And then being down there in Hatteras, the Outer Banks is kind of people go, well, yeah, she can write a book. She's next to the ocean. She's probably constantly inspired. Did you ever get writer's block, even though it was only three weeks? No, this book... I understand that that's very real, right? but I never did. Like I said, I had carried the whole thing around in my head for so long that once I started it, like I said, there were days when but I started a chapter. But did it just come chapter, to you, or you've been thinking about it for years? No, no, no. It just came to me. Gotcha. It just came to me. I really can't, because like I said, I haven't spoken to a lot of other authors, and I don't really know. You have one down there, another author that's down in that area, correct? Oh, you yes. Told there, me about. Are, there are several. Yeah. And I would give a huge shout out to Kim Perry. Yes. She does not write under that name. She has three pen names, but she writes, and she was connected. We connected through a mutual friend, and it was Kim who really helped me understand how I could get self-published. She found an editor for me. She wrote, actually formatted the book. Those are all things I didn't have a clue. Writing was easy. You know, and see, <laughs> the self-publishing is tough. Just those hurdles, just you know, going okay. I don't even know how I would deal with that. That mm-hmm. could create writer's block. In that, okay, well, I can sit here and write this story, but what am I going to do with it? Oh well, I got to figure out what to do with it, and then I'll go back to writing the story. But fortunately, I didn't know that at the front end. I just wanted to write the story, and that's awesome. And you know that was my original plan because as I wrote a chapter, I would print it out so that I could actually read it and see if I could find typos or whatever in it. And I was going to take the final manuscript to Staples and print off two or three copies. That's what I did. And share with friends. That was as far as it went. But in the interim from the... Right after I finished writing it, I met this mutual friend who said, you really ought to put it in a book form. And even then, I thought, well, that'll be fun. I'll get, you know, 20 copies made and send them out as Christmas gifts or something. And then it just took on a life of its own. And while it's certainly not a national bestseller, it has done far beyond my expectations. And it's been fun. You know, if you're going to do something like this, it it better be fun. Oh, yeah, it's got to be fun. You know. I have written a book, too. I wrote a book called Tastefully Fit, which was, and I did the same thing you did. I had no idea, but I just knew that I wanted this message to get out. Mine was a cookbook, more Mm -hmm. or less, but it also gave people directions on, you know, how to get fit and how to stay fit. And the food that was in it was chef-approved, so it wasn't just like brown rice and chicken. But I did what you said your first thing was, once I got the book done with the recipes, which it was challenging because I'm a chef, so I just kind of throw things together. I don't know, but people want to know exactly, you know, how to do it. And I went to Staples, and I did guerrilla marketing all over the beach, and I was doing book signings, and I was doing this, and I was doing that, and I did it up in Pennsylvania as well. I started a whole thing up there in Camp Hill, Mm -hmm. which is outside of Harrisburg. Right. But I just know the challenges, you know, of it. Sure. People see a book. I mean, they see a book like this, and they can't really tell the difference between what I did for my book or what somebody very famous like Nicholas Sparks, he has a book, it's printed, you can hold it. That's the difference between kindergarten and a doctorate, you know? Right. And so when you self-publish, yes, you have a book, and it looks really nice, but as you say, if you don't get out there and promote yourself... 
then you have a book. Right. And that's then all, you have that's, a book. Then you have a book, and that's all you have. I really felt that people would enjoy the story. Having worked in the hospitality business with Dave for eight years. Right. I know the attachment that people have to the outer banks. To the outer banks, and and the uh, Netflix series doesn't hurt. Well, you know what I mean. Absolutely, absolutely. And so people are aware of it, and they just want to get their hands on anything that can relate. Now, in this story, as I said, it's fiction, and it's funny. We were talking about food in your book. There's a particular restaurant they go to all the time called Marcy's, right? And Marcy is famous for her shrimp basket, which isn't the most healthy. Right. <laughs> but I've actually had people say, well, is there a Marcy's? Well, there isn't. That's in my head. But right. there are plenty of fabulous restaurants, yours included, all up and down the Outer Banks. You right. can get a shrimp basket pretty easily and it'll be good. <laughs> well, your book looks great and the cover and... What we okay, got? so what do you got in the corner there? Yeah. Good question. So for those of you in, that are listening to the podcast, he's looking at my book and you can see two people, a silhouette of a, a young man and a young woman and a storm approaching right. and they're on the beach. And then you have these flowers in the corner. Those flowers at least on Hatteras Island, are called Joe Bells. Gotcha. And one of the main characters in the book is Joe Bell. I'll be dogged. Okay, I was, I was wondering where that got tied in. And then at the very top of the book, when you get the cover, when you see this book, it's going to say a Hatteras Island novel. Now, the Outer Banks of North Carolina can span all the way from Corova down to Ocracoke and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But people that go to Hatteras, I mean, it's great that you mentioned Hatteras Island because they've been going to Hatteras forever. They don't want to go to Duck. They don't want to go to Nags Head. They yeah. want to go to it's Hatteras. A, it's a very different vibe. People used to ask that all the time when they would come to the motel and want to bring a day trip up here or stay here up in this area. I think the northern Outer Banks, Corova especially, that's right. a whole different <laughs> That's that a whole different, different animal, yeah. But Corolla and Duck and Southern Shores, they have a vibe here. And then you go on into Nags Head and Kitty Hawk and Kill Devil Hills. And, they and that's have a, vibe. a different vibe. And then you cross that bridge and you get on to Hatteras Island and you start to say, well, my husband used to tell people, they'd say, oh, my God, I thought we'd never get here. And he'd say, well, you can't see the end of the world from here, but we're close to it. Right. <laughs> you know, we might not be the end of the world, but we're pretty close to it. You know, um, the Hatteras, the, all of that area down there, too, it's like taking a little step back. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So the Duck and Corolla area has been built up a little bit when faster. When I came here in 64, there was no well, there was, there was no duck, duck, but there was no paved highway. Right, Corolla, it was there was a village. Obviously, there's been a village there for a hundred years or more. Right, but it's not anything like today. Right, and Hatteras was a commercial fishing village, and so the book, a big part of that, is about commercial fishing and what happens with their livelihoods before, during, and after a storm. So that's relevant too. Now on this, do you have it on Amazon yet? Yes. You do? Yes. So that was a whole other process that, you know, it's like there's people out there listening and they may not have a book, but they have something that you're going, man, I'd love to get this on Amazon. It's on Amazon. You look up Storm Season Jan Dawson because there are a couple other storm seasons and it's available as a book, just like you have, or you can get it on Kindle. And for people that have Kindle Unlimited, it's free. <laughs> so, wow. What a deal. It, but, it, you know, like I said, I've been giving shouts out to local bookstores and people who are listening to this who are not on the Outer Banks. You can go to your local bookstore because many people are very 
attached and yes. supportive of indie bookstores, which is great. Um, and you can say, I'd like this book, and they will look it up in their catalog. They have a catalog from which they order their books, and they'll find it. Now, do you mail it out, or you ha- you have the publisher now or something like that that takes the pu- care of the that company stuff? Is called, the company that a bookstore would order from yeah. is called Ingram Spark. Gotcha. And they're the, they're the only ones that I'm aware of, and my colleague Kim were aware of, that will do an independent book for you. And then you can let the bookstores know, and that's how they... They order it. They don't do the promotion or anything. You won't see their name in the book under publisher, but they will publish it for you. And because bookstores can't order from Amazon, which right. I learned in this process, so they have to order from someone else. I'll be dogged. So that's how that that's how You that learned works. a lot of stuff quick, didn't I did, you? but I'm finding, as is anything that you do, the more you know, the more you don't know. Right. I mean, I could be doing a trillion different things. But I'm, you know, just doing the first one, and I want to enjoy that before I um, dip my toe in the second one. (laughs) (laughs) And I know they're already asking, right? Yes, they are. And I do have an idea for a second book. Some of the characters in Storm Season, the ones that people love, will will be in the book in cameo roles, sort of, or they'll make an appearance. But this, this story is going to be different with different characters. Then... If I do write a number three, I think I have to bring it back to storm season because there are some loose ends that people want to see tied up. And so I'm just taking my time to figure out what's the right way to tie it in a nice bow and not get it in a knot. I guess that's a good way to put it. So if you did a chapter a week, is that what you said? Chapter a day. A day. Uh But this is a short book, remember. You're not talking about a lengthy tome here. And I think people like that for a beach read. You can sit down in one afternoon or overnight and read it. I think it's 176 pages or something. So I don't want to say that I wrote War and Peace, you know, so I was knocking out a big chapter a day. They're how many, how many hours a day would you be working on it, you think? It took about, I would say, usually between two and three hours. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So in after, you know, I would sit down after lunch and shut the door and say, Dave, go do something. I'm going to see if what I can come up with. It's got to be so rewarding for you to go, okay, I put two or three hours a day in, you know, for... 15 weeks or whatever, and then you have the finished product. And now you go into what I did, too, which is now we're back into marketing, you know what I mean, and trying to get it out there. So on the book signings, do you have a good amount of people showing up? And The two days that I signed in Duck and Corolla was a record for them. Wow. So I was really tickled, and then I went down to New Bern, and of course, New Bern isn't the Outer Banks. Right. But I had talked to the bookstore owner. She's an author, and she said, sure, I'll carry your books. She carries them on consignment. So right. I can get them from Amazon at an author price, and then she s- sells them, and I get a percentage of that back. So that's how she works. And I went down there, and she said... She was amazed. I mean, we sold out everything she had. Fortunately, I brought some extras with right. me. So it's got an appeal, I think, for people regionally. I did do a couple of television interviews in, in Raleigh and in Greensboro High Point. A lot of people, as you know, because you're in the business, you see they come from that area. Right. We pool from Charlotte and all areas east of there. And then, of course, even in Richmond and Virginia Beach, we have a lot of people who come. Oh, yeah. I know. I do a lot of TV stuff out of Norfolk. Uh-huh. And, you know, that reaches all the way up to Williamsburg and, and beyond. beyond. Yeah. And there's a ton of them. How can you get it up in the Pittsburgh area? Because there's a ton of Pittsburgh people well, in that's, Philadelphia. You're looking and, at one here right. from Pittsburgh. So, right. yeah, it's all part. And I have some time because the book has a Christmas a holiday ending. 
Yeah. So it's going to have a life through, you know, the wintertime. I'm hoping that that Christmas hook, once we get through September, September's pretty busy. I'm going to start looking at some of the other, you know, the other places. I used to live in Oak Park, Illinois, and the bookstore there is carrying it. Oh, wow. They, you know, you use your network. Yes. People what... listening, network, network, network. That's why you do it. And it was nice to be able to get in touch with them. And they said, yeah, we'll carry it. Now, if the duck store runs out, let's say, okay, mm-hmm. do they contact you or do they contact this Ingram? They contact Ingram Spark. Gotcha. And they order more from them directly. Yeah, because when I did and it, then I get they my... called me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like I was bringing them up. We sold to the coffee shop down here. What is it? Duck's Cottage. Cottage yes, yes, Duck's uh-huh. Cottage. So uh, he put some of mine in there, and he was like, Wes, we've sold out. And it's like, okay. And that, so I was also the carrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. No, I do that. Too, like I said, for the bookstore in New Bern, they're on consignment, so I have to bring my books. Everybody does it differently, and it is quite an education. And, I mean, clearly, people, many people make a living writing. That's not my expectation. I I want to write. I've written a book that people seem to enjoy, and that gives me great pleasure. People like the characters as much as I did. They want me to write another one. I hope that's in the cards. And we just get tickled every time I get, you know, a little message from Amazon that says, you know, you're going to see a little deposit in your checking account. And they are pretty little, but, you know, (laughs) I'm working to pay back the expenses because you do have expenses. Of course. Involved in a book. But it is, it's got a Library of Congress number. That's important. It's got what they call an IBS number, IBSN number. That's important. And I kept all my notes so I wouldn't forget them for the second time of everything I have to do (laughs) to get it ready for readers. I'm so impressed with that procedural stuff and getting it from your head to the general public. And I'll do things different, a little differently, too. You know, every time you do something, you you learn. There are some typos in the book. I'm not happy about that because I tend to be a perfectionist. Right. But next time, I'm going to have a couple editors look at it because one person... You look at it and you pick out certain things. You don't see everything. And I, as a writer, cannot see my own mistakes. That's So I'm going to run it through several more filters before I put it out. Now, you said you've got a good bit of feedback, though, from people who have mm-hmm. read the book, mm-hmm. men and women. And right. that's awesome. Have you noticed, which, of course, this is not my kind of book that I would write, mm-hmm. but it, it would be so cool. It was like, you've got a certain idea of the characters of who they are, just like you mentioned earlier, you know, it's like this would not be normal for this guy. But when someone else reads a book, they might have a totally different spin on the same characters you that's do. And you true. go, you know what? I never thought about that. But that's cool, you yeah, know? Yeah, it is. And it's great fun as a writer to be able to pick the names of your characters, too. Right. And uh, especially for a first book, some of the names are grabbed from cousins or good friends or experiences that they've had. So they get a big kick out of it. The other thing, because I said it spans three generations, so you have a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter, it appeals to different age groups. And so they're aligning with the age of the character and that generation. The experience, the age of the character, what they've gone through, all of that good stuff. And, of course, the Outer Banks. So they're going to filter in their perceptions of their visits down here, of their experiences down here with your characters, which is going to create a whole other story. Yep. I've had plenty of people say, oh, I just felt like I was back at the beach. I can see it. You know, and for people who know Hatteras, and obviously the motel in the story is patterned after the motel that we owned. Uh, They're looking at that. They're seeing that in their mind. They're seeing their favorite restaurant as Marcy's, whatever that happens to be. Um, They're going down to the docks to see the boats come in with the fish, and they're remembering when they did that. So I think that helps strengthen the connection between the the reader and the author a lot. I do want to say, 
Wes, that I, I do have an author's Facebook page. Yes. And I welcome when people read the book. I'm very serious. I would love feedback. Right. You know, that's so important to know what people are thinking so that you can continue to improve moving forward. If you love it, that's great. That makes me feel really, really good. Right. But, you know, if there's something that you just didn't think made sense, or fortunately, I haven't had that and they yet. Could, but they could message you through there, and you'd probably message them right back, yep, right? Yep, you can message me. and You know, that's indicative of the entire Outer Banks type thing. It's like, it's so personalized. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, your husband, he owned a motel. I'm sure he was hands-on in there working. He's like, well, you see the Well, it was mom owner. and pop. We yeah. were mom and, and pop. Right. And I had a Facebook page for the motel that when we when we sold it, had 30,000 followers. Wow. There are people who love this this entire place just... Whether they stay in Duck and go down to Hatteras or Ocracoke for a day or whether they stay in Hatteras and come up to Duck for a day, yeah. they enjoy just being out here. And there's a really strong connection, and it's long-term. People are repeat visitors. Right. And it's generational. And it's generational. I was going to say it's handed down. It's like, you know, there'll be a lot younger people, and we got to get married on the Outer Banks. I see that all the time. It's like, when was the last time, you know, some of them, maybe the groom or the bride never been here, but the other partner, they, they're like, we got to do it on the Outer Banks because there's so many memories in our childhood that's, sure, you know. Sure, yeah. And you see it in the hospitality business in particular. You see people coming for the first time, then with their children, then with their grandchildren. And then the next thing you know, in a few years, you've got the children with the ashes coming from their parents because the parents wanted their ashes spread here. Right. So if you have a connection to the Outer Banks, it's probably a pretty significant one. And, and I just hope the book helps people maintain that connection and that it's a good, easy read for them. Good. And then they'll, then I'll let them know when there's a second one. <laughs> that would be great. Jan, now how long did it take you to get up here today? Uh, about two hours. About two hours. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back up here to Duck. You are going to NC Coast and have lunch though, right? Oh, we, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we got another author coming in and having their birthday in uh, NC Coast tomorrow night. So that's going to be kind of cool. But is there anything else you'd like to add in here? I am so impressed with your story and just that... I always put, one of my first menus I did at Red Sky, I put, when desire meets opportunity, that's when the miracle happens. And it's like you were sitting there in a personal storm, and you know how we all can get in our own heads. So yes, everyone has a storm. And you had this desire, it's like, you know what, I got this in my mind. And then the opportunity was, I'm just going to sit down and do it. And then it just kept unfolding for you, like turn the page. It's like, okay, I met that, know this author, and she showed you how to get it all hooked up. And you know what I mean? It's like, and it's, you're still going through the pages, right? right? You're still learning. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I just, first of all, want to thank you again for the opportunity. This no has problem. been great fun. And also just to remind your listeners how important it is to support local, whether it's an author or a restaurant or whatever, the Outer Banks is a place where you can find a lot of local business owners, and we really appreciate the business. We sure do. And uh, thank you very much for showing up today, and uh, you guys enjoy your lunch over at NC Coast, and I'll see you over there next. That sounds good, and let's just hope that storm season is very calm. Yes, we're going to always hope that. I tell you, I've, I've lived through a lot of them, too, down here. Anyway, hey, this is Chef Westep, and there's Outer Banks Raw. Hey, hit like or subscribe. And until next time, keep that Outer Bank state of mind. Thanks.